This is the Full Funnel B2B Marketing Podcast, brought to you by FullFunnel.io. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the new episode of the Full Funnel B2B Marketing Podcast, brought to you by FullFunnel.io and Full Funnel Academy. This is your host, Andrea Zinkevich, and today we are going to chat about account-based marketing with Adam Goyat, VP of Marketing at Help Scout. Uh, Adam, thanks a lot for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And, you know, I gave you a context uh, behind this interview. Because ABM has lots of needs, and one of them is that ABM is a privilege of enterprise companies that can afford expensive tech stack, throw bugs into IP targeting, and hiring an army of content creators and marketers. Um, I recently made a survey with SMBs, and here are the most common questions B2B marketers and founders have. So some one of them is knowing how to, with a limited budget, target the exact people we want and building the right workflows, uncertainty around the effectiveness of ABM, not clear how to align marketing and sales team around a central playbook. And basically, I want with you, I uh, love your stuff. I know you are a big ABM practitioner and I want with you today to reveal these means and share with our audience proven ABM plays that work. So let's start with a Blitz questionnaire. So just share the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, the first question is, what is a ho- commonly held belief in ABM that you passionately disagree with? Uh, I guess it'd be the point you brought up in the, the research that you, you need an expensive budget to do ABM. Um, Because that is definitely not the case. Okay. What should everyone in the B2B marketing space stop doing regarding account-based marketing? Uh, Stop doing generic uh, marketing. (laughs) I think think the whole point of having a limited pool of people you're going after is the ability to be creative in your outreach and your ads and personalized. And you see a lot of people just being like, here's the 100 accounts we're going after and we're just going to spend more money but running the same generic ads and all that sort of stuff. So stop doing that. Perfect. And the last one, what should everyone in the B2B marketing space start doing regarding ABM? Uh, yeah, I start doing being creative, right? Um, just because you've decided that account is important to you doesn't mean that account thinks you're important, right? And so your ads are still one of 1,400 ads they're going to see that day or whatever it is, right? It's one of 100 emails they're going to get that day. So start being creative and and taking the time to come up with an experience that's a little bit different and something that cuts through the noise. Cool. Thanks a lot. And uh, just to let you know, before our chat, I made a poll in my B2B marketers and founders community and uh, collected the best questions because there was uh, there was a bunch of questions so i collected the best ones and tried to uh, put them into the right order and uh, i i feel we can cover all of them today and the most common question i think you also faced this issue is how to get a buy-in of c-suits and sales to shift to account-based marketing so basically if you're a marketer if you are an in-house marketer and you want to initiate shift uh, to ABM, how to get a buy-in of your executives and sales? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back with the C-suite. I think the biggest thing is the budget, right? Like I think a lot of the problem marketers fall into 
is they build out this expensive tech stack strategy they need to do. And it's a one year roadmap of how they're gonna do this ABM strategy. And it comes with a huge cost. And if you're in the C-suite, you're looking at that saying, this is very unproven. I'm not sure we need to be doing that. How is that any different? And so my suggestion would be start small. Right? You don't need um, to build out a full strategy of ABM of what you're gonna do. Take 50 accounts, work with the sales team, get 50 accounts and say, hey, we're going to give these 50 accounts some extra love. Um, and maybe it's something you don't even really need to get buy-in from the C-suite for because you're just going to run a small direct mail campaign. You're going to send everyone a book and a handwritten letter, right? And that'll cost you for 50 accounts at, you know, 10 bucks a book, $500 to run this campaign. Uh, and you have the sales team write the handwritten letters and then do the follow-up research and then see what the results are. For that compared to your regular outreach and then you have some data to go back to the c-suite say like hey we ran this specialized campaign to these 50 people we saw you know a 20 percent uh meeting rate versus our normal outreach which is five percent um so obviously now you can make the case for bigger budgets and more tech and more tools and all these sorts of things but don't start with some giant big plan because it's going to be overwhelming i think to the c-suite and also to the sales team I think the big fear from there is going to be, is this going to be a big distraction for the marketing team? And what about like what feeds me today? Um, you know, because they're interested in the leads that are coming in today. And it's not a, I don't think it's an either or situation, right? You can do both at the same time. You should be doing traditional demand gen as well as your specialized ABM accounts. Allow it. Um, actually, it just reminded me an example I had last year. So I launched the same. It was like a client came to me and basically they wanted to uh, refine their outbound strategy. And we started with a pilot project just with 30 accounts. And we uh, did an account research, basically disqualified some of these accounts, figure out the, let's say, the gap between the services and the needs of these accounts and key initiatives. And we launched a direct mail campaign to three buying committees members and basically that campaign generated 300k in revenue with like just 5k budget which was awesome but at the same time i had another project and basically with the company so mark uh, cmo came to me and he thought like we need some guidance with account-based marketing but we have a, like let's say sales persistence so sales don't believe in this approach. And basically, once I was describing the campaign to head of sales, he was like, well, you know, I'm not sure this personalized gifts may and this personalized proposals make sense because like our, you know, prospects might feel that we are spying on them, they, that we are trying to personalize, you know, our proposal with their goals. And because uh, I suggested to buy something that's relevant to their interests, hobbies, etc. you know, and they were like, well, it's so what are thoughts on it? How you can, you know, uh, persuade sales at least to give a try to, to a pilot campaign? Yeah, I've never found a problem to be perfectly honest with you with sales pushing back on that. You know, most most sales people I know, when you tell them, "Hey, we want to send your prospect personalized gifts or, or a book and a handwritten letter," like they're like, "Great, right? Why wouldn't they want the extra support?" And so I think part of the problem is going top down with that approach. I'm a big believer in kind of like this grassroots movement of it and picking up the phone and saying, uh, picking up the phone to a, a sales rep on the team and saying like, hey, I have this idea. I want to run it by you. What do you think of this? What if we sent these? And, and what you'll find is, one, it gets them more excited about the idea because they feel like they're part of the brainstorm, which they are. And then two, they actually give ideas back of like, well, I'm not sure that's the right thing. What if we did this? And, 
And that will get your campaign a lot further along because they're the ones talking to the prospects all day and you'll get really good ideas out of the sales team. And then you have buy-in and excitement for those people, right? Um, it also doesn't need to be something you roll out for the entire sales team. You could work with two sales reps and build out um, just for their prospects. Say, give me your top 25 prospects that you want to tap into that you haven't been able to. We're going to try to run a specialized campaign, right? Um, and then run that and say, but here's what I need you to do on your side. We need to do this outreach campaign once these books are delivered um, and have them do the follow-ups. And here's, here's how we're going to operate it and build the playbook with one or two people to do it. And then very quickly, once they start getting results, they'll be talking about it. Other sales reps will say like, how do I get that support? Why is he getting the support? Why is she getting that support? This isn't fair, right? And then suddenly you kind of have this movement where everyone wants to be involved in this ABM campaign. Whereas if you tried to build out this big expansive thing and then roll it out, uh, you get less buy-in that way. Yeah, that's true. So just to wrap it up, uh, basically these two points, we need to start a pilot project on a small scope, just, you know, follow up to 50 people maximum, maybe 15 to 20 accounts, try this creative personalized approach with direct mail, parcels, etc. And just to collect the data and share the data, uh, comparing to your traditional outbound, let's say email cadences or uh, let's say direct ads and just share the reply rate and the cost per reply probably or maybe account engagement rate and that's it this is how you can get a buy-in from CSU and from sales love yeah. it love it and um how to so that was another question that came from community how to align marketing and sales around central playbook as you mentioned playbook is critical here yeah, I think the thing is, it's not a marketing playbook, right? Um, it is a combined playbook. And if it's going to be a combined playbook, you have to build it with the sales team. Um, and so I think it has to be a very collaborative effort of like, here's the campaign we're going to run. What do you think of that? Um, what do you think is the best outreach after that? Um, you know, what is the best sequence? What are the emails you think we should be sending? And building it with your sales team, um, because otherwise you're just not going to get the same results because they don't feel as bought in and as invested in something you've built. Um, and they're like, what is this? Like, what do you want me to do? And, and those are the kind of questions you're going to get versus like, if you build it with them, they're excited about this. Um, and so I would say very early on, even in the brainstorming like stages, bring sales along for that journey because they'll be way more invested in the final outcome of, of what you're trying to do. Um, can you share any practical examples of creating such playbooks? Uh, maybe you had, have done this at Help Scout or at G2. Yeah. Um, so at G2, we were doing a lot of personalized direct mail. Um, and, and again, I think marketers um, tend to think just direct mail and think like GIFs. And it doesn't need to be gifts, right? It doesn't need <laughs> yeah, to be a bottle of wine. If I get a bottle of wine, that doesn't do anything for me personally. Like, um, I would, it's a nice bottle of wine. Great. But like, that doesn't make me more interested in your service. It, it's not memorable. Um, everyone probably has gotten bottles of wine sent to them before. Um, it's not going to stand out necessarily. And so I think the whole point of ABM is taking select accounts and being hyper-personalized to try to get penetration in those accounts and to get that account's attention, right? And so direct mail, uh, I think is a great way to do it if you are hyper-creative for that. And also if you have sales teams buy-in 
on follow-up, right? Because you can send the best direct mail in the world, but if nobody ever emails that person or calls that person to follow up, it's kind of meaningless, right? And so I, that's happened a lot too, where I've gotten direct mail pieces in the past and I never got follow-up from any person in sales. And I was like, okay, like it just never <laughs> happened. So it's a very, like, I don't know. So it's not like I'm picking up the phone to call them to say like, hey, who sent me this bottle of wine? I want to thank them. It just doesn't work that way. And so, um, so a big piece of it is in that alignment of sales. And so it, a, a tactical example of this, um, and again, not trying to spend a lot of money. We sent books um, to people. So we had a hundred books delivered to the G2 offices uh, when I was there and we had offices and people went in um, and we gave a basically read the book and then picked out excerpts from the book that we thought would be interesting and had the salesperson write a handwritten note, say like, Hey, I thought on, you know, page 84, Seth Godin talks about this. I thought it's a great application for your business. Thought you would be interested. I wanted to share this to you. It's very thoughtful, right? Like you get the book, you get a handwritten note. They've read the book. They've thought about a page in the book that ties to your business. And then the key is though, then the follow-up of what they're doing. Um, Once we get alert that the book's been delivered, those key touch points matter a ton, right? And so uh, we've done that on a small scale. We've sent pinatas to people. Uh, We've sent pennies to people. We've sent a lot of random things to try to just, cut through the noise to get someone's attention. Once you have their attention though, they're way more likely to pick up the phone or respond to an email. Um, but you have to send that email and send that and, and make that phone call. And so I think that's where having sales buy-in, they were excited for things that are just out of the box of like, okay, like what are we sending them? We're sending them a pinata. Like, okay, cool. What am I saying on the phone to this? Right. <laughs> and so, um, and so I think making it a creative campaign that they're a part of gets them way more excited about just you know, hammering the phones versus just making a hundred phone calls um, cold. So basically I love what you shared because, you know, if you'll just Google uh, for ABM campaigns and you want to see some practical examples, you'll see that, you know, some quite often uh, these case studies are written by Sendos or or other companies, you know, that uh, operate as ABM vendors and basically they give you an idea. So this is a creative campaign. You can send a bottle of wine or like some candies, you know, with some tips like, so this box is locked and if you want to get a key, you need to have a meeting with us, etc. But sometimes, you know, I was doing, again, I made a LinkedIn post and was like, this post was like, what is the most creative ABM campaign you have ever seen and did it work? And the people, people were sharing, you know, like we sent this stuff, but never got a reply. And I was following up, like, did any of your sales team, you know, called your prospect? They told yes, we called them, but actually the replies were negative just because there was lack of research, you know. So as, as you yeah. mentioned, like if you'll send uh, just bought nice uh, bottle of wine, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't make person more interested in your service. Basically what worked with us, just a great example of campaign that was done like on 50 euros budget. So for one of our almost a customer, I simply closed this deal. Uh, And basically uh, we had a 
We did an account research of one of our target accounts and then invited the CEO of that company to our podcast. We have, besides this marketing stuff, we have CCU at Sirius. So we chatted with him about the growth of his company and then he shared that they raised money and they want to go outside of Europe to North America and he was looking for somebody who can help with go-to-market strategy and basically that's it. So we did a simple research on Facebook where he he was posting you know pictures that he loves uh, cycling in the mountains in Europe in Belgium and France and basically that's it so we got a nice figure of uh, person you know this cyclist and a book of top 30 destinations in Europe for cycling and send it with like a highly personalized offer where we're just you know connecting the dots so like the same like you are you know searching for best routes the same like you are preparing for your next cycling trip. The same is approach you need to apply to go to market strategy, define target verticals, build an ICP, etc. And that's it. So it was like 50 euros budget, direct mail parcel with highly relevant personalized gift. And then we just uh, follow up next day. And that's it. We have like a meeting with the entire team. So it wasn't that complicated. <laughs> yeah. Also like sending something in the mail is free for anyone to do. You don't need a Sendoso or all these platforms to actually go out and run a direct mail campaign. You'll get to a point if you're doing them consistently where it makes sense to use something like that, right? Because it's easier. Um, but if you're just starting out, you don't need a Sendoso to send a direct mail campaign. Like our first direct mail campaigns, we were literally getting stuff sent to the office and we get the whole marketing team together and we package it up and send them, right? Like print out the labels and put it in boxes and send it. And so it doesn't need to be this thing where, hey, we need a platform to do this thing. Just like get it done, roll up your sleeves and and send it yourself. Yeah, love it. And uh, just one question regarding this, let's say sales part of the playbook. Basically sales must do follow-ups. And my question is in case if they uh, had a neutral or negative reply or didn't get a reply because maybe they, you know, they sent an email and didn't get a reply. They tried to call the office and didn't pass through gatekeeper. So what are the best activation plays? What they can do um, in general, what companies can do to activate these accounts? If it make, uh, and the second question, does it make sense to put them in some sort of nurturing sequence? Yeah, I, I think it makes sense if it's not a generic nurturing sequence, right? Um, so I think there is a, like a path A of like, hey, they responded and a path B, they didn't respond. Um, the other thing I would say is it's not, it's the best ABM campaigns I've seen run are omni-channel, right? Um, it's not just direct mail and that's it. Um, so for example, we sent pinatas to people. We also retargeted that same pool of people with ads that tied back into that same messaging, right? And so um when you think about that performance, you're hitting them with direct mail, you're hitting them with outbound messaging from the BDR team, you're hitting them with ad campaigns, they're starting to see you everywhere. And that's kind of the goal, right? And so um, it's not just a a one path only. And so I I don't know what that is for each time. It varies a lot, right? Maybe the best spot to target them is on Twitter or Facebook, depending on the audience you're going after. Um, But I would say overall, Um, just thinking in one channel only is where you'll probably see less results than if you were thinking a little bit broader of the overall journey for that person and thinking of the campaign in a much bigger scope than just direct mail. Okay, 
Okay, amazing. And uh, another question I wanted to ask you, uh, what are the key metrics to track the campaign efficiency costs in case if you have a long sales cycle, you want obviously generate revenue. So uh, what are the key metrics to track the efficiency and that you are doing the campaign the right way? Yeah. Um, so I don't know if there's a universal metric because to your point, if you're targeting enterprise companies with a two-year sales cycle, it's going to be a while until you can see that. So uh, understanding your funnel and what are the key indicators, right? So um, right off the bat, did you book a meeting? Did you get engagement, right? Are you measuring the engagement score? Ultimately, are they booking a meeting? Maybe that meeting doesn't turn into a sale until two years from now, but did they book an initial meeting? Was there an opportunity created? Whatever those funnel metrics you are looking at today to understand like progress, it's the same metrics, right? Um, it's just a matter of applying it to these specific campaigns and these accounts to say like, hey, and then comparing that as an average, when we run these campaigns against these 50 or 100 or 200 accounts, um, what does our meeting rate look like uh, booked? And maybe that's the first indicator. And so what you might find is like, we're able to book a lot of meetings off of these campaigns because they're really creative and the outreach is good, but none of them turn into opportunities. Um, so maybe like it's too far out there, the campaign we're running and, and this, the sales team is having a hard time making that connection from the campaign and what piqued the person's interest into an actual opportunity. So maybe there needs to be refinement there. Um, so we're looking at the full funnel metrics uh, the same way you would look at it any other part of your business and just applying that to, to the uh, ABM style approach. Okay, awesome. And um... You know, I wanted to ask you another question that came from our community. Basically, one of the biggest myths when it comes to warm-up campaigns is that you need to run targeted ads or just engage with the content of the buying committee from your target accounts. Uh, I want to ask you, can you share the most effective ABM place for warming up target accounts before outreach? Yeah. Um, so I think... I'm not a huge fan of the engaging with prospects content in a very artificial way because everyone has seen that happen, right? Someone goes on your, you get like five likes on old posts that you had on LinkedIn and a comment randomly like a month later and then suddenly you get an in-mail request and you accept it and then the pitch comes and it's like, I engage with the content. It's like, yeah, technically you did those things, but from the end user perspective, it doesn't feel like it's true engagement, right? And so... I think figuring out um, ways to meaningfully engage along the way with, with that audience uh, would be beneficial, not just in a generic, go back and like five, keep five of their posts and then send them the in-mail. Because I don't think that does anything to actually move the needle. Um, so I think um, doing that in a meaningful way. And then the second part was on the, the retargeting or ad targeting. And I think, having the accounts is great that you want to go after, but if you don't have anything else beyond that, it makes it still hard. Like I said, I think the average person sees like 4,000 ads in a day. You're still one of those 4,000 ads. Um, and so the whole point of ABM is getting hyper-personalized and hyper-targeted. And because you're only going after a smaller pool, you can do that. And so I think looking at um, tools like Sonar or Datanize to say, what are the other tech they're using What's an interesting angle to understand like, hey, can we pull data on these 200 accounts, 300 accounts so we have a better understanding of what they're doing and then using really personalized ad campaigns to go after them. Um, and so, so that's the way I think about it is using that time and 
the small pool to be hyper, hyper targeted. And what tech stack you'd recommend to use in this case? Um, yeah, so I mean, you can do a lot of this stuff without any real tech stack. Um, tech stack I've used in the past um, and that I like, we use metadata uh, for the ad targeting and it's great because you can target the same pool of people uh, across platforms. So targeting them on Facebook as well as LinkedIn with the same campaign. Um, and so we've seen really good results out of Facebook using metadata. Um, I've used Engageo in the past uh, for the engagement tracking on those accounts, right? Because if you're going after an account like um, IBM, where they have, you know, an ungodly amount of employees, engagement there is is hard to track, right? Because going after such a big audience and there could be lots of different divisions who could all buy your product. And so you could start seeing traction, um, but Engageo is great in terms of showing you who at the company and at what level are actually engaging with your company. Um, so you might say like, hey, we have this account we're working um, and we all think it's going great. And then you look at it and you say, but there's no one engaging who's director level or above at this account. Did you actually have buy-in or is it um, not at that point yet? Do we need executive outreach? And, and so that's a good tool to use. Um, I think those are the, the two big ones I've used in the past. And then obviously you could use tools like Sigster or Sendoso for direct mail and email signatures. You can add a lot of tools onto it. And everyone says they do ABM now uh, from a tech stack thing. So there's no shortage of companies out there to go and use to build that out. But I, I don't think you need a huge tech stack to get started. I think that's one of the big misnomers about ABM. It could literally just be like we said, a direct mail campaign with a hyper personalized email outreach that you're doing for 50 accounts to just start proving these models um, and then seeing where it goes. Got it. And uh, regarding this, uh, let's say, regarding this targeting campaign and outreach, there was a question from one of our SDRs. He asked a question like how to blend paid and organic outreach into one strategy. So basically how to do this uh, omni-channel campaign. Yeah, I think the big thing is um, having the sales team be aware of what campaigns the prospect is actually out there seeing. Um, so that they know, hey, this is the direct mail campaign. These are the ads we're showing. This is the email drip series they're in. So they're fully aware if they get that person on the phone, it's not like a completely different script that feels way off, right? Um, or they get them on the phone, they don't even mention the fact that we sent them a book, right? Like those are missed opportunities. So I think aligning them around the campaign, then their outreach is actually aligned with all the marketing efforts. Again, it kind of goes back to that alignment to say like, Here's the account and here are the five things we're doing to this account. So when you do your outreach, just be aware that these are the people we're targeting. We sent the direct mail campaign to the VP. Uh, we're targeting anyone in the marketing team on these campaigns with these ads. We're running these four people through this nurture series. Uh, so they're fully aware like where everyone is in their journey uh, with your company. And what's, uh, what's your point of view regarding the intent data? Does it make sense to install some sort of IP identification software, you know, to track the accounts that are visiting your website and basically provide these insights to your SDR, to your sales team and uh, share with them? So this is the level of engagement. For example, they spent like 20 minutes reading this blog post or this case study. So maybe it makes sense to reach out. What are your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I think it makes sense uh, to have tracking on your own site. Um, you know, HubSpot can give you a lot of that data if you're using something like that um, to track that. In terms of intent data, obviously I worked at G2, so I'm a, a fan of intent data. Um, but again, I don't think you need that necessarily to start from an ABM perspective. But um, it is an interesting input, especially a site like G2, where you, they're reading reviews about your software. Because most people aren't going to go to your website until it's very farther along in the process, right? Because I don't really care what you say about your site, right? Um, like we talked about the ABM tools. Everyone says they do ABM. Everyone says they can help you reach targeted accounts. Everyone says they can do these things. Um, maybe some of them can, some of them can't. I, I'm not going to make that decision just based off of your website and what you're telling me, right? Um, so I'm banking my ABM program and my success with the sales team and my success with the C-suite and on all these things around the technology I'm going to use to build this thing out. I'm not just going to take someone's word for it, right? I want to understand like, what are people actually who are using the platform saying? And so that's where I think a site like G2 becomes really interesting um, because it is part of that journey. Um, so once you, I think you get a little more mature in your ABM strategy, adding that on is a huge advantage. Um, it also creates a nice retargeting pool of people that maybe you don't even know are in your journey outside of your ABM, just like, hey, this account's actually researching us right now um, and they're using one of our competitors and maybe they weren't even on your radar, right? And so maybe that is like, hey, let's pull this account into our ABM campaigns. Awesome, awesome. One thing I realized we didn't touch yet, basically you mentioned that uh, ABM campaign should be hyper-personalized or what is called one-to-one -one campaign. And basically it requires that the entire content, you know, everything, proposal, your message should be uh, highly personalized to the person that will receive this direct mail parcel or email or whatever. And the first objection that usually comes from CISUIT is that this approach is not scalable. You know, the ads are expensive and maybe not uh, are effective and we need to invest into this content and it's not predictable. So uh, what are thoughts on how to develop, even for pilot project, how to develop ABM content strategy? Yeah, um, so personalization um, can be done really well or really bad, right? I think you have... There's a lot of technology out there to allow you to do personalization in really interesting and meaningful ways. So you don't have to build a hundred landing pages. Um, and so I think of a tool, uh, Hyperize, which allows you to do personalized images. Um, so there's some work to be done there, right? Um, because if you're going to build it out, let's say an account dashboard for a for hundred accounts that you want to give a preview to, you can create one landing page um, that has different variations that's just pulling in dynamically personalized images, right? And you wouldn't do this for every single account, but you could build it out for those 50, 100 accounts and say, here are the five unique pieces that of this, of this content that we actually want to make personalized, right? The pillar content could actually be um, the same for all the companies, but different sections are going to be personalized throughout. So the whole piece will feel hyper personalized to that person. The reality is it's the same piece of content and the same uh, for all 100 audiences, 100 people in that audience, um, but you're personalizing five, six, seven different elements of it. Um, so for the end user, it feels really personalized. And so there's tools like Hyperize that can do it. Um, I would say like personalization, a lot of marketers always think like insert first name and like insert yes. name and subject line. And that is not personalization, right? Everyone knows that game. Um, that everyone knows when it's a standard, they just inserted your first name type code. Like 
personalization, I think you can take much further along. And I think of like images and videos and all these sorts of things you can do um, to personalize that journey. Uh, it might be a, a 30 second personalized video intro into a standard video, right? And, but just doing that 30 second personalized intro makes all the difference to be like, oh, they personalized this video for me. In reality, it's like I personalized the first 20 seconds of it. So the last half is just our pre-recorded, whatever it might be, demo, whatever, so. Love it. And uh, if a company wants to scale it, and basically there is a question like, you know, we want to, let's pretend, uh, even if they got an, uh, let's say, buy-in from C-Suite and they told, okay, so now we need to prepare a warm-up strategy basically to create some top-of-the-funnel content for our accounts. How to develop this strategy? Basically, how do you think, uh, what, what should be the right mix between, let's say, broad inbound or content marketing and ABM? Yeah, I, I touched on this earlier, but I don't think it's an either or. I think you need both. Um, because the reality is like, there's still a big world out there uh, of people looking for different software that you're never going to be aware of. Um, and that's always going to be the case, no matter how good you do you think your data is, there's always going to be companies that kind of come out of the blue and, and start engaging with you. So you want to build that funnel and that strategy um, in traditional inbound marketing, as well as having an ABM strategy. And one can feed off of the other, right? If you start seeing good success in your inbound strategy with these pieces of content, maybe that's the content that you take and then use as personalized content in your ABM strategy. Um, so I wouldn't view it as like, two separate worlds. Um, I would just view it as like, hey, we have this goal that we wanna drive a thousand opportunities for sales from our inbound strategy. And then we're gonna take these 500 accounts and we wanna get a hundred of them into opportunities this half the year. Let's just say I'm making numbers up, right? Um, but then I think, then you can allow budget differently and you can start building out that strategy. But I think with the ABM thing, you don't need a super complex strategy or tech off the bat. Um, I think you can start very small and start building that up, right? We talked about direct mail at the start of this. You see success in your direct mail campaign. What happens if we start laying on ad campaigns to the next 100 people we're going to run this play to? What happens if now we um, start running these email nurture series against this, this audience as well? And now suddenly you have a whole play around direct mail ads and email built out that you can rinse and repeat for the next 100. And then maybe you, at, at next quarter, you add an additional play that you want to run. And then you add in saying, okay, now this is great. We have two different plays. How do we help sales select which ones they want to put people in, make that decision? And, and then maybe you need to say like, okay, we're seeing engagement at the top of this. We, do we need an Engageo or something like that to start measuring this thing? You don't need to start with the whole world built. You can start slowly and scale it out that way. Wow. Basically, this is what I call all bound marketing because nowadays you don't have inbound. You can't rely solely on inbound or just on outbound. You need to do both. And as you mentioned, inbound source outbound because you can, you know, you can track the activity on your website and suddenly you identify that there are some good accounts that fit your ICP and you can start building relationship and prospecting these accounts. At the same time, you can do outbound. You might not generate a positive reply immediately, but people will check your website, engage with your content, maybe attend some of your virtual events if you are doing them and th this is how you can activate them and the same like you can you know you can start demand generation on linkedin you can connect with your target audience but they won't reply to your messages but 
at one day they will see your you know see your content in, in their newsfeed they might engage with it and suddenly you get an inquiry and that's it so that's how that's how it's uh, it works love it thanks a lot for sharing and um Last questions I want to touch because, you know, quite often ABM means lead generation. But at the same time, we have, at the same time, we have some opportunities, sales qualified opportunities in our pipeline that must be activated. And we have existing customers who we can upsell and expand businesses. So I want to touch these two points. Basically, what are the best place, I mean, practical place you can share to activate, let's say, uh, frozen <laughs> sales qualified opportunities and uh, some place regarding uh, expanding business with existing customers. Yeah, so the existing customer one, it should be the easiest one you can run because you should have a lot of data around these customers, right? You should understand, hopefully have good relationships with these customers. Uh, you should understand how they're using your product today. So in terms of hyper-personalized messages, it's very easy. You have their email. They probably open your emails because they're a customer of yours. So when they get it, they're way more likely to engage with it. Um, so that that barrier to entry is a lot lower. Uh, and so I think that's all about how do you add value and continue to add value to your current customers and doesn't just feel like you're just trying to upsell me every quarter into something else, right? And, it's, and, and so I think that's more about building a meaningful relationship with those key accounts and maybe you pick a hundred accounts and it's about executive alignment and you have your CEO reaching out to their CEO, you have their CMO reaching out to your CMO um, and, and doing something like that uh, to give that extra touch and extra added love to these accounts. So when you do have opportunities to grow them, you have that relationship and people aren't like, what's this tool we're paying for? Right. Uh, so I think those, those are the easier ones uh, in terms of frozen opportunities. I guess my answer would be if you align your marketing team to the end result of revenue, marketing is naturally going to figure out where things are, are breaking down in the sales funnel and say like, why are we losing this amount of deals at, you know, whatever might be proposal stage? Um, is there something there that we're missing? Is there additional support? Do we not have enough case studies? Do we not have enough testimonials? Um, is there anything we can do to help start moving these through? Because if marketing cares about the end result of, closed one revenue and that's what they're measured on not just hey we created an opportunity ultimately if they're measured on revenue as their outcome like they're going to be really interested and tied into what is sales doing in these opportunities good or bad and maybe what you see is when you do the analysis hey salesperson one has a close rate um, once it gets past negotiation at 70 percent and salesperson two is at 20 percent um, what's the difference from the marketing side? Are they using different assets? Are they using different messages? Can we leverage any of that and create templates for the whole team to start leveraging and, and using, right? Um, or maybe it's a sales training opportunity for the sales manager to dig into. But I think that's where it's hard to give like a blanketed answer because it all depends where you're seeing the drop-off. Um, again, we talked about earlier, if the drop-off is early on, Maybe it's your messaging is a little too far out there and sales is having a hard time making that connection into an actual product demo or into the product itself to take that next step. And it feels like a weird bait and switch. So I think understanding your funnel will help you understand where to point your, your time and energy. Love it. Thanks a lot. And for you guys, I didn't mention it in the beginning of our interview, but uh, 
Uh, I want to drop this right now. Adam is as well a co-founder of Remarketing School and basically he has an amazing six-week marketing workshop and a free guide on 76 plus cross-marketing tactics. So I will drop a link in the podcast description so you can sign up. Highly recommend to check this stuff and as well follow him on LinkedIn. Just uh, search for Adam Goyard because uh, he is an active LinkedIn content creator, awesome stuff. So my personal recommendation. And another thing, if you love this show, this episode, just please leave a review and send me a screenshot and I will give you as a gift a copy of my LinkedIn inbound marketing book. So that would be a win-win for both sides. Adam, thanks a lot for being an awesome guest and for this uh, freelance uh, knowledge you shared with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, and hope to see you uh, this year on our second edition of All Funnel B2B Marketing Summit. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks a lot and see you in the next episodes. Bye.